Welcome to the Seeing Red Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Seeing Red Podcast. My name is Troy Moriello, and I am your host, bringing you up to date and up to speed on all things St. John's basketball. And we come to you with the first of what I think will be a few season wrap-up podcast this one we're going to discuss the last really five days in st john's basketball with jay DeMeo, who's come on a couple of times we're going to hit on the biggies tournament loss to seton hall we're going to hit on st john's turning down the nit we're going to give some overall thoughts on the season and then we're going to dive a little bit into the transfer portal uh who are some potential st john's targets to land uh, as a grad transfer or regular transfers who are some potential guys on st john's that could be leaving we know that isaiah moore is uh leaving the program could vince cole be next could there be any others to follow in what has essentially become a free agent period uh for college basketball and college sports in general so we're going to hit on all of that with jay DeMeo as typical st john's the season ends and the news really just continues on now for the uh, the next couple of weeks, so we're going to hit on that now, and uh, I'll be back on the other end of this chat to uh, wrap the show up, but I hope you guys enjoy this really breakdown of the last five days with Jay DeMeo. All right, I'm now joined by Jay DeMeo. want to welcome him on to talk a little St. John's basketball. It's I would say it's been a hectic week, but it's really been a hectic five days since last Thursday when St. John's dropped out of the Big East or was dropped out of the Big East tournament. Um, in typical St. John's fashion, the offseason gets started right away, and we have a lot to talk about. Jay, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Troy. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Let's let's get back now. We'll, we'll start at least in chronological order, and we'll start with Thursday's Big East tournament loss in overtime to Seton Hall. Uh, 77-69 in overtime. Man, I, I'm still not fully over that loss. What about you? That was a... I was saying to my friends and a bunch of people before the game, this was the most nervous I've been for a game since Arizona State in the first four. And if you kind of break it down, you really look at it, it was the, the, the two games had some similarities. Mm-hmm. Season, season on the line, it's a tournament game, um, you're First thing, a team that's scrappy like you, it was just, and both teams didn't particularly play well. I know the defense yeah. kind of showed up. There wasn't many points scored, but the, um, the if you if you watch the game, it wasn't you know the the most well played game. No. St. John's couldn't shoot. Um, Seton Hall didn't look great as well. It was kind of the team that did just the bare minimum got by. And another reason why I bring up the similarities with that Arizona State game two years ago. Um, our stars weren't there. Yeah. Shamori kind of didn't do anything in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pops didn't really do anything for us t- the other day. You look back to Arizona State, um, Mustafa Heron yeah. had a brutal game. Uh-huh. Marvin Clark had a brutal game. And then for us, our star, like I just said, Posh, yeah. and then Julian, um, Champagny. Yeah. Champagny, Julian just missed so many shots that he normally makes. And not just, you know, like the normal tough shots that like he's so good at, like wide open threes, mm-hmm. bunnies. Mm-hmm. He missed a lot of those. And, and I'm not going to be the one to put this on him because no, no. He's, he's done more than enough to earn his hall pass. Um, the rest of the team, someone else has to step up when if he's 
having an off night. You know, he's not going to be perfect in this conference every single day. And like he waited, it was the worst timing of his worst, probably his worst performance of the season. But that's where someone else has to step up, and no one was able to do that. Yeah, and that's that's what kills me about about that game. At least is there were probably three or four moments in that game where I said, "All right, it's over. We're going to lose." And then there were like three or four moments when I looked at the score and I was like, wait, we're tied. Or like, wait, we're down two in this game. Like, Seton Hall just never really put us away because I don't think Seton Hall is a very good team. As we saw, they're not even a tournament team. You know, they didn't really do the job to put us away, which frustrates me. Like you mentioned, Julian played so bad, you know, shot, what, 7 of 21 from the field. Posh didn't really have it, uh, you know, coming back from injury. Yet still, we had a two-point lead with one minute to go and, you know, had the ball in in the hands of our best player with 30 seconds to go with a chance to win the game on a relatively open shot, mind you, and just couldn't close it out. It just, you know, it it stinks because you you say, you know, maybe next year, you know, we'll be better and everything like that. But in terms of having a good draw to make it to not only Friday night, but even the title game, I don't think if you're ever going to get an easier draw that you got this year, you know? It it stinks. Mm -hmm. There's no other way to put it. Um, And... I'm not going to be the person to say, oh, same old St. John's. No. I, I get the end of the season is a similar outcome that we're used to with not going dancing and not getting past Thursday in the Big East. But, like, everything that happened before Anderson came in here is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. That you can't put the shortcomings on Mullen, Lavin, and whoever else on Anderson. Um you have to call this a successful season. They were picked ninth. We got a three-star freshman that's looking like a five-star now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Champagny is a bona fide star and could be an All-American next year. And I'm a, he's going to come back. Mm-hmm. So every major impact guy that should be returning is. I know more is transferring, but mm-hmm. we'll get to that later. Mm-hmm. But the, the program is in a very, very, very good place right now. And now this puts the pressure on for next year. Next year, it's put up or shut up. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And we'll, we'll tie a bow on the Big East tournament here with this. With Georgetown winning, I mean, that, that stinks. Obviously, you hate to see you know one of your traditional rivals win the, the tournament. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of hatred for Georgetown. Maybe it's because I'm, I'm younger, as, as are you. And, you know, we haven't really seen the dominant Georgetown teams of the 80s, obviously. So we don't have, I don't think, that hatred towards Georgetown. But I saw people, you know, on the, on the SJUBB hashtag that were like somehow making Georgetown winning the Big East tournament an indictment on St. John's. When if you look at Georgetown and Patrick Ewing, I mean, he's been you could argue in terms of overall record worse than Chris Mullen was at St. John's. The team caught fire in a four day stretch, got a pretty favorable draw to the final and and wins the tournament. And now all of a sudden, you know, you know, we're for some reason crucifying St. John's in that. I I didn't get that. I don't know if you saw that on Twitter, but there were a lot of people for some reason saying, oh, look at, you know, St. John's isn't able to win these games, but Georgetown is. I think Patrick Ewing is doing a good job. But overall, like their program still hasn't turned around to the point where they want it to be either, you know? Well, that's just, you know, how the fan base is. Yeah, I didn't get that. Um, I think that's a byproduct of what happens when you have a former alumni of the school who ended up being an NBA Hall of Famer. <laughs> um, the way um, the way it's kind of starting to work out the way they wanted, and we're fresh off of that being a failure for us. So the timing of it and how recent it is with the us just moving past Mullen and then them with Ewing finally getting their homegrown guy to take the, the, 
school to talents that Mullen was never to take hours to. I just kind of think that's where that's coming from. It's kind of like a knee-jerk reaction. But yeah. I get it. It's it's frustrating seeing um, Georgetown get to the tournament being a, a nine-win team this year. Yeah. And on paper, probably having one of the worst rosters in the Big East. But he, he can coach, man. He's a great coach. Mm-hmm. He's overperformed these last two years. And he has a top-ten clash coming in next year. Not in the Big East, in the country. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, to put Georgetown's success as an indictment on St. John's, it's 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 backwash. It's nothing but you know it's, it's a knee jerk reaction, and that's what you kind of have to expect, especially when there's similarities in our previous head coach and what they what they have now. Yeah, it's a it's a New York fan base, you know, and, and I, I do hope that that Georgetown and St. John's are you know two of the top teams in this conference over the next four years, and I I, I think that both programs are at least you know turning are heading upwards. I would say I think Anderson has us in the right direction, and I think that Ewing, as you see, you know has had Georgetown as you mentioned in the right direction for the past two years now, and it culminates in an NCAA uh, appearance this year. Let's talk NIT though, and more specifically St. John's turning down the NIT. There was kind of rumors of this. I think Zach reported it on Saturday. I think when the season ended we all kind of assumed that they would be playing in the NIT and then it comes out uh, Saturday night that they weren't going to and then they make the official announcement uh, yesterday on Sunday to me I can't really fault the players um, I think the whole thing that you need experience in the NIT is kind of overblown I think that those games don't really matter very much and I think that the players kind of know that as well I think it would have been nice to play in it but I can't fault the players for not wanting to go into another bubble into more testing into more you know quarantining and everything like that to play a relatively meaningless tournament but uh, where do you stand on that yeah I get both sides of it and don't get me wrong I mean I live and breathe with this program so I'm going to be watching oh me too if we're taking a trip to Lithuania for an exhibition (laughs) I'm going to be watching it but this is we're in a once every century pandemic and to travel halfway across the country in a state where there's not many restrictions Mm -hmm. or mandates and you don't want to risk your players getting sick and then entering a whole nother bubble I get it and any other year Mm -hmm. they're probably playing in this tournament hopefully this is the year they could have got far in it and would have in a normal year been playing in the finals in MSG Mm -hmm. but um, I can't I can't blame them I really can't yeah and I mean you know the whole experience thing you know you want to get the guys more experience but like Posh Alexander played, what, 30-something minutes a game for, you know, 25 games this season. Dylan Adai-Wusu was playing in, in crunch time of Big East games. You know, you, you, like, the young guys on your roster, they're not really, like, freshmen anymore. Like, they've been playing time and time again. And even Julian, you know, Julian is a sophomore. He was the leader of the team. So to say, like, oh, we need to get the young guys tournament experience, I, I personally think that's a little bit overblown. Uh, I... I- Guess it could have helped to some extent, but you got to figure in the back of their mind, they know what it is. Exactly, they yeah. Of, they kind of know it's a consolation. Um, but it, either way, you could fall on either side of the coin here. Yeah. It, either one's fine with me, but I, I get, I completely get both sides. And I, yeah, I don't think it holds that much weight. I don't necessarily think, oh, if they played an NIT game this year, then that means they would have been able to close out um, a two. A, one possession game the Big East tournament next year I think that's just kind of you know silly to say but 
Yeah, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll leave it at that. We'll 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 now head to some more news, obviously, because as is typical, St. John's the season ends, and then basically forty eight hours later, you have transfer news and you have you know rumors and everything like that. Uh, the one thing that we do know is Isaiah Moore has entered the transfer portal and uh, will presumably be leaving the team after one season. Uh, you know, certainly going to be a loss on the court. I think you can say what you want about him off the court, uh, but he was a talented player for them on the court. We'll see how replaceable he ends up being, but uh, your thoughts on Isaiah Moore entering the transfer portal? Um, he was kind of a spark plug guy for us off the bench. Um, definitely a, a notable loss. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect him to leave, yeah. but these, this, that's college basketball in 2021. These, there's transfers all the time. Just kind of part of the game, and with him, you kind of gotta kind of think it's a package deal with him and Vince Cole. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't think it's too far fetched to say that he might be leaving the program as well and opening up two spots. But um, getting back to more specifically, um, we obviously could have used his size, but sort of like Tariq, there were similar players. He didn't yeah. use his size in, a, in the right way mm-hmm. you'd want a big man to. And not to say that he had a bad game. I loved his offensive game. Yeah, but where we need help is defensively to match up with big men and you kind of saw when we were matching up with big men or if the big man was giving us trouble uh, Mike Anderson went to Marcellus Arlington mm-hmm. to kind of neutralize them not really more no. he had some shortcomings um, he didn't have a whole lot of muscle mm-hmm. kind of lanky so people like um, Nate Watson gave, prob- gave, gave us problems there's a reason he had 30 on us this year yeah um, but yeah um, I wish him the best um, I think he's going to get minutes for wherever he goes he's he's got a lot a lot of talent like mm-hmm. you saw it like he has a shot in the mid-range that he can knock down with ease um he can jam it jam it home <laughs> like you saw him do many times um but um in terms he didn't fit the big man needs yeah. that the team kind of needed even though he was by his size definition a big man yeah, because, you know, I think when we thought Isaiah Moore was playing his best basketball was probably that stretch in, like, early February against, like, Providence and, and on the road in those games. And when he we said he was playing his best is when we said he was kind of playing within himself. You know, playing around the paint, playing around the basket. That Butler game when he had, I think, the five dunks in the, in the first uh, half alone. Like, that's when he was at his best. And frankly, like, I think we can find another big guy to do that. You know, like Josh, for example, is not a, is not a great guy around the rim, but on the transfer market, it's not, I don't think it's terribly hard to find a guy who can, you know, catch, catch lob passes and dunk them or or grab rebounds. And like you mentioned, I don't think Isaiah was an incredibly talented defender, at least. I, like you said, I don't think he used his size all that much. He wasn't really a great uh, rebounder. And I don't think that he blocked, you know, as, as was as effective as, you know, blocking shots as maybe he could have been with, with his size and his, his lankiness, as you mentioned. So it's going to be a loss for sure, but I think it's going to be more of a loss on the offensive end than on the defensive end, which I think it's easier to replace a guy on the offensive end of Isaiah's talent than on the defensive end. But wish him the best. I mean, I, I could see him ending up on a, on a you know a high major type program. You know, I, I hate to say it because you know he's he's so similar to Tariq, but I can kind of see him ending up somewhere there uh, if he can kind of get those those attitude issues fixed. Because it seems like you know he was suspended what uh, you know almost two times this season. So I could see him going to like a high major type program. You know. Definitely. He's gonna 
if he, I can't, I don't know if he'll be a starter, but he's definitely going to be able to bring some valuable minutes off the bench and kind of be like an energizer for our team. So, um, yeah, wish him the best. Hopefully, he can get everything figured out. Yeah, definitely. And as you mentioned, you know, kind of a package Cole, a package deal with Vince Cole, who uh, you would assume now leaves as well. For Vince, uh, I mean, you know, I, I, I think he was a decent player for them, but I don't think he ever turned into like the score that we thought he was going to be. I mean, I remember like, you know, in, in October, you know, September, October, we were talking about Vince Cole being a guy who could score, you know, 15, 20 points a game for them. And he had some games like that, but it was, you know, from what we saw in the first game of the year against St. Peter's, you know, the game against Ryder, like he had some flashes of it, but just wasn't really as consistent a shooter and as, as a scorer, I think, as we thought. Uh, going to be a big loss, but but your thoughts on that? Um, I, uh, kind of an egg on my face here. I, uh, <laughs> I wrote a pregame, uh, preseason article when I was, um, previewing the team yeah. back in April of all the new additions we got. Uh-huh. And I was really, really big on Vince Cole. Mm-hmm. And he put up, I mean, when you look at his numbers, I know it's Juco, but he was an All-American. Then. Yeah. He put up killer numbers there. And I don't think this is an indictment on him. Um, I think he is talented in his own game, but mm-hmm. um, he, you can clearly see um, defensively he didn't have it. He no. was a little too slow. He was getting beat off the dribble game in, game out. Um, he was he was a liability on defense. Um, he did he. I, I'll give him his credit. He hit some clutch shots for us. Yeah. Without Vince Cole, I don't know if we're going to beat Ryder or St. Peter. No, very true. Mm-hmm. If, if you want to, if St. John's fans want to dig back into early November when um, we had those one-point games with them, yeah. I think. But, um, yeah, he, he definitely has the ability to shoot. I think as the season went on, he kind of lost a lot of his confidence. Yeah. You saw there were many times the last couple games of the year, especially I think Seton Hall, too, um, in the Big East tournament, he had wide-open looks, mm-hmm. and every single time he's pump-faking or hesitating uh-huh. and passing it out. When like We brought him in to be our, our perimeter lights-out shooter, and he just never was able to become that. Um, he wasn't a transition player like most of our roster kind of needs to be. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm sure that news will break within the next week or whatever when we get the news that he's transferring. Mm-hmm. If he stays, I'd be surprised. Yeah, me too. But, um, yeah, I think he's a good player. He just, It just wasn't the right fit. Yeah, and, and I think with Vince, you know, if, if we're kind of forecasting where he can end up, I, I really could see him being like the guy, like the scoring, you know, you know, 15, 20 points a night on like a more like mid-major, like a, like a Mac school or like in like an NEC type school, you know, like a like a you know a low major type school, and th- that was really when he had his best games, as you mentioned, you know, against St. Peter's, against Marist, um, against I think Utah Valley, he had a pretty good game. Like that was when he was at his best. I think he can go and kind of take a step down and become you know a leading you know number one option on, on a team like that what are your, what are your thoughts on that 100 percent um i'm not sure if it was the caliber of play like big east conference mm-hmm. play that is kind of what did him mm-hmm. or if you just had more confidence playing against lower teams yeah. um to me i think it's more of a system thing because yeah. the time we had transition points or a great defensive play or something along those lines he wasn't ever really involved in it Mm -hmm. so I think it's more of um, the system and the type of game we run more than him being oh he's a big East player or he's a a Mac type of player Mm -hmm. Um, my guess is that he probably will transfer down to um, a lower conference Yeah. Um, but I can still see a school 
school somewhere that's a high major, like an SEC team or somewhere out, someone out there saying we can maybe use this guy shooting off the bench. Mm-hmm. But um, his defense is what's really going to hold him back. Yeah, definitely. Um, looking at you know staying with the transfer market now, going to have a couple of open scholarships. Should be in pursuit of a couple of, of transfers or grad transfers. Either way, they should be eligible to play right away next season. Um, the obvious one is the big man. You know, I, I would. I think at this point, I would fly to Eastern Europe to recruit a, a seven foot two big man who can just stand in the paint and and play defense and block shots. But I don't know about you, but I, I think I would do that at this point. Um, outside of a big man, you know, what what do we need uh, in the transfer market? What, what are you seeing? Um, obviously, um, point period blank jump stop. It's a big man. It's a big man. You need size. We've been saying this since Chris Obeckler left the program. We need a big man that can give us at least six to eight, maybe ten points if we want to be generous. Give us close to ten rebounds a game. Um, if he can block shots, that's great. But um, even if he can't put up the statue, at least match up with a big yes. man to at, least, to at least neutralize another team's big man. So that's not what killing us <laughs> like we saw against the DePaul game against Nate Watson and, and, and game after game like you go on, yeah. on and on and on Obiagu too in the Big East tournament oh, yeah Obiagu seven blocks in like a five minute stretch of the season. like kind of ugh, just get a big man but uh-huh. if we want to go away from the obvious um, with Rasheen Dunn leaving um, we have Posh I think we can go with um, a backup one when Posh gets in foul trouble or we want to give him a breather if mm-hmm. he needs um, there's this kid Tyson Walker out of Northeastern who mm-hmm. Probably one of the premier early names in the transfer market right now, and I'm just going to read off some of the names. Yeah, go ahead. List that in front of me. He's yep. got off. He's heard from Michigan State, Kansas, Seton Hall, Missouri, Arkansas, St. John's, um, Pitt, uh, Georgia, Florida, Indiana. High major after high major. Mm-hmm, this, mm-hmm. this. So um, he averaged almost 19 and five a game. Mm-hmm. So you talk about a bucket, yeah. and. Um, that's someone who I think St. John's can use. Um, there's a lot of times this year you saw where we would have these droughts offensively, especially when we would go into our half-court sets, and it's not really a whole bunch of moving pieces. Everyone's kind of just staying around, and we drain it, drain out the shot clock and just take a bad three or something along those lines. So, um, And I know we have Champagne who can put up numbers, but I don't view Champagne as like, you know, someone like killer instinct yeah. who's going to you know, put the game like in his hands and say, all right, I'm going to take over. So I think this kid um, would get big minutes with us. Um, or if we can get a player like him, someone that we could say, all right, um, we're in a little bit of a drought. Um, we need a bucket. Mm-hmm. Go and get one right now. Or at least get to the foul line. Attack the rim. Someone like that. And um, hopefully um, – we can get someone like that. This kid Tyson Walker, I think, um, would be a great addition to the team. I'm not saying we're going to get him or <laughs> we're close to getting him, but something along those lines. Yeah, and the 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 two guys today, two big men who uh, entered the portal today. You had the UMass guy Trey Mitchell, and then this Louisville guy. Uh, I don't know how to say his name. Maybe you do Aiden. I don't know how to say his last Aiden, name. Aiden. Gahan? Yeah, that, that looks um, correct. Yeah, uh huh. Um, I don't know if you remember, we were heavy in the recruitment of Aiden Gahan. We made his final three teams, I believe. Mm-hmm. And he's a kid. He's from Ireland. He played out in Nassau County in La- at um, I believe it was Lawrence. Okay. One of the five. One of the five towns. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously went to Louisville. Um, I he, I have a friend who's a Louisville fan, and he was really high on him. Mm-hmm. And, Apparently, I've seen um, stuff surface online where Chris Mack said that um, 
he might not have been ready for the college game, and he really got very little minutes in his time at Louisville. Mm-hmm. So he could potentially be a project. I don't know how ready he is. Um, obviously, you look at his frame and his numbers in high school, and you say, wow, mm-hmm. um, he has it. I don't know why it hasn't panned out. Um, I would definitely take the waiver on him. He was a five-star recruit, yeah. and maybe, maybe it just wasn't the right fit at um, Louisville for him. And I don't necessarily think that should um, – straight people away mm-hmm. and I can give another example look at Justin Simon he was a five star recruit out of Arizona mm-hmm. and I think he averaged two points a game 1.8 points a game in his one season there yeah and you saw what happened when he came here so and I would take the, I would take the flyer on him I don't think the, we're at the right state yet where we can just expect a ready made star big man to come here and just produce you know we might have to take these risks on players but I have enough faith in um, Anderson's staff and developing players where they can get elite pr- production out of them. Definitely. So I would 100% take the flyer on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just like looking at the two guys from today, the uh, Mitchell and 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 uh, Aiden, it, you know, it, it, like you mentioned, it seems like we're more likely to get a guy who's going to you know a power conference. Uh, who's currently with a power conference school that's maybe going to take a step down, I guess you could say. Like you mentioned, Justin Simon, Marvin Clark. Maybe that's recency bias, but I feel like we're more likely to get one of those guys, you know, making a step down as opposed to a guy like Trey Mitchell who's going from UMass, you would think, to a step up. I feel like those guys kind of tend to end up with, you know, the Kentuckys and the Kansases of the world. Whereas, you know, St. John's maybe, again, maybe it's recency bias, but I I just feel like we have a better shot at someone who's like going to Louisville, who's going to be, you know, coming down to St. John's. Do do, do you kind of agree with that? Yeah, I 100% do. I think that's 100% where, probably where we're more along the lines of, and not to say we're not a a step up from UMass, obviously. Yeah, no. Mm -hmm. um, A big step up, I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And this um, this kid Trey Mitchell. If I had to take a guess, he's probably going to be the number one big man at, yeah. at least right now, until another name comes out of the transfer portal. So, of course, he's going to see names like Kentucky, Kansas, all these guys, and he's saying, "If I'm going to go there and get major minutes, why am I going to come here?" Mm-hmm. Um, it's got to be enticing for him. But um, yeah, like you said, going maybe that Aiden Gahan approach, a kid who needs to just kind of find the right fit, and mm-hmm. like the school isn't really a factor. Mm-hmm. Uh, the level of the school isn't really so much a factor. That's probably the route I could see them going. But um, yeah, please get a big man like Anderson, please. <laughs> please. Um, looking at the the current roster, obviously we we know now that Isaiah's gone. Uh, we can assume that Vince Cole is gone as well. The rest of the roster, though, I mean, outside of the obvious ones, we know that we need to keep Julian. We know that we need to keep Posh. Um, Who else kind of stands out to you as someone who St. John's cannot afford to lose this offseason to the transfer portal? For me, that would be Dylan Wusu. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, 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 there's no reason to believe he is going or yeah. ever will go mm-hmm. anywhere. I think it's kind of the same thing that we have with Vince Cole and more. Um, I think Wusu could kind of be a package deal with Posh, yeah. assuming like... God forbid he ever wanted to go somewhere else because, you know, they came out of the same high school and yeah. they're close friends, roommates right now and all that. But um, this kid, he's so raw, but he's shown so much potential. He's such a big body mm-hmm. for his size. He plays bigger than his size. He's really gritty. He fits our system perfectly. And I think um, he's going to be – here kind of reminds me of Sir Dominic Pointer and there's – Situations like when Dom came here, he was, he was um, a pretty high recruit, but he wasn't the player he was that we saw in his senior year and his first couple of years here. I think um, when 
it's all said and done, and Wushu is a senior, he's going to be one of the best players on our roster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he has so much potential. I think he's going to develop a, sh- a three-point shot. He's shown flashes of it this year. He's, I love him in the paint mm-hmm. with the way he cuts to the rim. He makes things happen. He's a great defender. Um, that's someone who I really, really don't want to see leave because I'm not sure how much of an impact he has now, but by his junior, senior year, I think he's going to be a vital piece to this program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. And I'll throw one more at you as well. Uh, a guy who I think might be leaving, honestly, Josh Roberts, who, like, I, I don't, you know, we have a bunch of big men coming in, and I, I think he would be kind of battling for minutes. But at the end of the day, like, you look at this season, the turnaround started when Josh Roberts started to get more minutes. And I know that, you know, he only ended up playing 10 minutes per game, averaged out for the whole season. But it, it seemed like we were a better team when he was on the court. I thought he did a phenomenal job. I thought he was our best defensive big guy this season going up against, you know, the Nate Watsons and the Theo Johns and those type of players. Um, I, I would like to see Josh Roberts back as a senior. Uh, but your, your thoughts on Josh as well. I, it's a weird thing with Josh, man. There's so many times we were wondering why he wasn't playing early mm-hmm. in the year, and then we mm-hmm. came to find out it was due to an injury. Yeah. Um, there was times where we couldn't match up well with a team defensively in terms of in the low block, and we were screaming for him to get in the game, uh-huh. and Anderson just kind of wouldn't go to him. He always usually started the game with him, but never really, uh, never really gave him minutes as the game went on. I, I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I would think, I think in my opinion, if I had to take a guess, Roberts is going to stay based on the transfer rules that come out with the NCAA. Uh-huh. If they waive the sit-out rule like they did this year and make it a permanent thing where you don't have to sit out, mm-hmm. if you're not a, a grad transfer, I could. I, my guess is that he would be leaving. That would probably be my safe bet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if they, if they don't imply that rule and say you still have to sit out a year, and he, he, I don't think he'd be able to get a waiver for anything unless, uh, for a reason I don't know. Yeah. But if, mm-hmm. if he can't get a waiver, I don't think he's going to, I think he's going to stay here. I think we could still use him. I think we need all the big man depth we can get. <laughs> As of right now, he's probably the leading the center for mm-hmm. the team. So that's probably what uh, my guess would be in his situations. Yeah, but I, I, I will say this. If we're relying on Josh Roberts to be our, like, premier big guy next season I think we're in a lot of trouble Not, nothing against Josh oh, you know you know what I mean yeah 100% but mm-hmm. I have no problem with him coming in as the backup yeah absolutely and getting so, like, yeah we, we can't we can't um, can continue with him being the lead man down there we we gotta get we gotta get something else that going yeah I want an impact guy but uh, you're right I think Josh playing you know 15 minutes a night I have no problem with that and I think he can uh, be perfect in that role for us next season uh, last last thought for me Julian Champagny, I mean, absolutely have to have to have to have to keep him on your roster going into his junior season. Could go into next season as the Big East, you know, preseason player of the year. There's the rumors of him going, not rumors, but there's a thought he could potentially go pro. There's a thought that him and his brother, Justin, could, you know, go somewhere else, you know, in in terms of, of college and team up somewhere. There's even the thought, I guess, they could come and team up at St. John's. Uh, you seem like you thought Julian was coming back, though, but uh, give me give me your expanded thoughts on that. Yeah, this is kind of like the uh, Shimori 
Pond situation from his sophomore year. He yeah. a, that's where he really exploded on the scene, had a great year for us, and he said he was going to go out and test um, the NBA draft waters, and he did, and he eventually came back. So I think it's going to be the same thing with Julian. I think he's going to... He's going to try to see what scouts say. I think he's going to try to get as much information as he can. And um, I really don't see him staying here for his senior year. I think he'll be here for his junior year. And um, then he'll probably declare and not come back. Mm-hmm. But um, 100% he's going to – I think he'll be coming back. But he'll definitely test the waters to try to see what he can get out of scouts and get any information to try to better his game. Mm-hmm. And if any fans are worried about him transferring or trying to team up with his brother, um, I know those for a fact. Julian loves the school. He loves the program. If he's going anywhere next year, that's not St. John's. It's an NBA court. Mm. It's the period. Um, I, I would put my mortgage on that. <laughs> he loves the school. And then regards to Justin, yeah, that's a very weird situation because um, within the last month, Pitt had like I think yeah. three of their start- I think they had like three of their starters transferred. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Justin has more potential to go pro this year right now than. Julian does so I don't know I'm not too in tune with pit basketball but um, (laughs) I don't know what Justin would be doing if I had to guess he's probably going to go to the NBA this year I think what we're saying he could definitely get drafted in the second round maybe a little late first I mean he has the numbers Mm -hmm. to do so Mm -hmm. but um, I really I really don't know and if he were to transfer and he can get a waiver I, I would probably think he would want to come here. He would be here, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because they, they've played together his their whole lives until they went away to college. So I really think they, that could be a possibility if he, A, leaves Pitt, and mm-hmm. B, doesn't go to the draft. But um, my, my, my assumption is that Justin's going to go to the draft. Yeah, I would think so too. But but for now, we can we can dream about it, right? We can dream about Julian and Justin oh, uh, lifting, lifting uh, the title. That, I, I don't even... I don't, I'm not even going to get excited about it. Yeah. I'm not going to get my hopes up. <laughs> we're, we're a top 25 team with those two guys and, and Posh. Um, I, I really think yeah. so. Yeah, <laughs> 100%. And then, and then that means our four-star recruit coming in would probably come off the bench next yeah. year. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, we, we can dream. You know, we can dream. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll have to see. But... uh Jay, that that's it for me, man. Um, thank you as always for 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 coming on, man. All all season long, you were one of our uh, our better guys who came on after games, and now doing this as well. This kind of you know breakdown of the last week. I always appreciate having you on, man. So thank you for that. I love doing it, Troy. Thanks again for having me on. Absolutely. We'll we'll maybe talk at some point in the off season, but if not, uh, we'll be we'll definitely have you on the show next season and beyond. All right. Hundred percent. Let's uh, let's hope we get some uh, commitment news soon. You can get a show up for that. No, oh, absolutely. I'm 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 hoping, my man. All right. Have All a good right, rest of your day. Thanks, bye. All right. Bye. All right. Once again, that was Jay DeMeo. You can follow him on Twitter at Jason DeMeo One. That's D I M A I O One on Twitter. And you can follow him if you're on St. John's Twitter. If you don't already, uh, definitely has some good insight on there. Now. Before I sign off here, uh, just gonna t- tying a bow on this season. We are going to probably be doing a you know full season recap podcast since this was kind of more reactionary to the last uh, few days. We're gonna talk you know the full uh, season. Probably have that out by about next week or so, early next week. I don't really want to release it when the NCAA tournament is being played. Um, so we'll have that out. I would say by this time next week, kind of recapping the whole season. Best wins, worst losses, you know, MVP of the season, things like that.
things like that. Uh, we will be doing that next week. I would say that's coming out. We have a couple of off-season things that I want to get to. We'll hopefully talk to Zach Braziller at some point in the off-season as well to talk about that. Um, hopefully we can get the AD on again. I know we had Mike Craig on last year around this time or I think early April. So maybe that's in the cards as well. But I will say this, whenever there is news, if there's you know transfer news, St. John's landing a transfer, uh, someone big leaving the program, you know, Julian, depending on what his uh, pro decision is, something like that. Uh, if there is news, I will either have a podcast or I will do, be doing a uh, live uh, be live on Twitter or whatever. For some reason, it didn't work when I tried to do it for the Big East tournament, but you can assume that I will be doing some sort of coverage of whenever something big happens this offseason. So um, definitely be on the lookout for that. To find it all, you can follow me on Twitter at Troy Moriello if you don't already. And just one more thought before I sign off. Uh, a big thank you to the coaches, players, you know, staff, um, the whole administration, university as a whole for an incredible, incredible season, you know, not only on the court, but off the court. Uh, Mike Craig said yesterday that the, this program went through the entire season, I think since the summertime, without any positive tests. Uh, they didn't have to pause once. I think they were if not the only, then one of two Big East programs. I think they might have been the only Big East program, though, that did not have to pause at all this season. Just speaks to an incredible job done by everyone. I know that some of this is luck in terms of, you know, you know, staying away from, from COVID and everything like that or not being infected with COVID. I understand that. But you don't, you know, have not one positive test for basically six months without doing a really good job following protocols set by the university and, and set by the NCAA. So an incredible job by everyone associated with this program. And, you know, just given with where we're at in the world today, I think that, that this team gave such a nice distraction. They were such a good distraction from the world. And that's really what sports are. They're a distraction. And I think that, you know, for the past really two months, I guess you could say, St. John's was a really fun distraction. And for once, it was fun to sit in front of my TV and, you know, yell like a lunatic about St. John's basketball again and feel like the games really did matter uh, for the first time in, in, a, in a while. So, Thank you to that. Thank you to the players and the coaches for an incredible season. Um, this season, you know, it wasn't a total success. I think the total success would have been going and playing in the NCAA tournament. But overall, you have to be happy with the progress in year two of Mike Anderson. Picked to finish ninth. You finished fourth. You were, you know, a couple shots away from a Big East tournament semifinal. So have to be happy with with, uh, with that as well. So. Thank you to that, and and we will um, be back probably next week with the with the season recap, and then we'll be back at some point during the off season whenever the uh, the news permits. But for now, let's go, Johnnies.